Hi, I'm Michael Carter, lead pastor of the Life Church, and I just want to thank you for watching this rebroadcast of this week's message. We hope it's an inspiration to you and that there will be things that you can apply to your life that will help you along your journey. I'm really glad that you're wanting to grow in your relationship with Jesus, and I believe the Word of God will help you do just that. So be encouraged, and if there's something in the message that helps you, we want you to respond. So leave a comment, prayer request, or even a question below. We want you to know that we're with you on your journey. So God bless you and have an amazing week. Here's this week's message. Let us just talk briefly this morning. Uh, we'll continue in our journey um, in this message series called Facets of Faith. Facets um, to be sure, um, I want to just clarify when I say facets of faith, I'm not talking about different kinds of faith. You know, because sometimes you think of what faith are you? Are you this faith? Are you the Baha'i faith? Or the, I don't know, what, you know, you think of different faiths. That's not the way I'm using this word faith. This is a biblical word when we say faith. And Brother James said it earlier, really the definition at its core is to hear what God says and do it. That's faith. That is faith. I mean, we can, we can say that we believe, we can repeat something 20 times, we can, you know, all of those things. But really, at, at the end of the day, it's hearing what God says and doing it. So when we say facets of faith, I'm not talking about different faiths. I'm talking about there's only one faith, one Lord, one baptism. One faith is just different sides of that same faith because faith is a journey, Right? And we have different perceptions as we go through our journey. And as we're in this message series, we're just highlighting portions of people's lives like Noah and Abraham and different people. And today we're going to look at, uh, for a brief moment, uh, a portion of someone's life who went through a journey. She was, she's the epitome of a journey of faith. We would know that Hebrews 11.1 1 says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. In the uh, a different version of the Bible, I want to bring out uh, something here in the, in the New Living uh, Translation of the Bible, the Hebrews 11.1. 1. It puts it this way. It says this. It says that faith shows the reality of what we hope for. Okay? Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things that we cannot see. And that's talking about in the natural. It goes on to say, through their faith, the people in the days of old, doesn't say old people, but the people in the days of old, earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed of God's command and that we now see and what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen, that can be seen. I think that fleshes it out for us to let us know that though we don't see it in the natural, doesn't mean that it's not there. And for me, what that does is now all of a sudden it begins to differentiate facts from truth. You would think that that can't be separated, facts and truth, what you see is not always the truth, though it is there, and you see it with your eyes, but it is not always the truth. 
We would know that. We would know that. If you drop down to verse 11, I just want to highlight the person that we're going to talk about for a few moments today. Still in the New Living Translation, it says it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. Come on. He would keep his promise. She believed he would keep it. And listen, (laughs) a whole nation came from this one man. We're talking about her husband, Abraham. A nation. A nation. He was as good as dead. I like the way this puts it. It says the man was good as dead, and a nation came from him. (laughs) With so many people that are like stars in the sky, sand on the seashore, there is no way, no way to count them. We can't count all these people. When we look at Abraham and Sarah, and we, we especially talk about Sarah, we want to look at three things out of this passage of Scripture. Number one, we're going to look at a promise received. Then we're going to look at a promise delayed. And then we're going to look at a promise fulfilled, okay? So if you're, you're taking notes this morning, we'll get to promise received in just a moment. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. Faith for the impossible. Faith, faith for the impossible. Faith for the impossible. Yeah, let me use that with other things. All right. So the first thing they did was they received a promise. Here we are. Promise received. So let's talk for a moment about a promise received. And as I do, I want to I talk uh, for a moment to folks who may have had a promise, but you experienced the, the ache of what you perceive as delay or being unfulfilled. Come on, somebody. An unfulfilled promise from God. You receive by faith. Maybe it even comes through scripture or a prophetic word or the still small voice. Or through the emergence of hope or dream that you feel is from God. A promise. We all have them. And if we're going to be honest, if we went around the room here this morning with this mic, we would all have a story. We could all probably tell the story of promises that we heard, promises uh, that were spoken to us, yet have have not uh, come to pass. We don't see them. And for us, learning to navigate those treacherous waters 
Brother, sister, that's a skill that's essential for believers to develop. You must develop it if you're going to continue on your journey or you'll quit. You'll get off the boat. You'll jump off the ride. You'll tell the train to stop. You'll pull the cord. This is my stop. I'm getting off if you don't have that skill. But I've wandered in those waters, and so have you, right? Paul calls it a shipwrecked faith. This, the scriptures first mention Sarah in Genesis 11, over in uh, verse 29, says Abraham and Nahor took wives. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai, Abram's wife was Sarai, before their name was changed. Nahor's wife was Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Isaac. But it says this. This is what I want to get to. Now, Sarah was barren. She had no child. The introduction of a character in the Bible, like any first mention, it's important. It's so important. So to open the subject of Sarah's, Sarai's life by stating that she is barren, is essential for the context of what is about to unfold. Come on, somebody. First time you hear her name, it says she's barren. And her story is essential for those of us who are walking this faith journey, for those of us who may have even settled, for those who have become stuck in a place, those who are crying through. We heard the word this morning, grit. <laughs> appreciating what God is doing in and through others, but it's like, God, can you do it through me? I see it. I see it through Brother Kevin. I see what Eldon and Patty are doing. I see this brother here. I, I see. But Lord, I, what am I doing wrong? I give. I tithe. I come to church. I repent when I'm wrong. You know, talk to me, Lord. Talk to me. Sarai's story is not just important to those of us who ex have experienced this, what I call life-sucking power of delays and dark times. It's really perception, okay? Uh, but she lived her life under great pressure, okay, to maintain hope as the primary vessel to fulfill God's promise. Sarai was the primary vessel to fulfill God's promise. We talk a lot about Abraham, Father Abraham. He was a patriarch. Right? He had the seed. We're being honest. But Sarai was the vessel. She had to carry it. Without the vessel, it ain't getting here. You might have the package, but if you can't get it there, the people are not going to receive it. Come on now. So her story is a story of an individual under great pressure. But when the ache brought on through the delay of an unfulfilled promise, in the end, she conquered it all. But not before she went through a journey. Come on. If you've ever experienced the pain of envy, a dream you can't grasp, a, a prophetic word that's grown dusty on the shelf, then the motion of faith, the life of faith, this facet of faith lived out in Sarah's life matters to you. She received the promise. How many have received a promise, right? 
Sarah had a barren identity. She had a barren identity. Part of what makes her story so unique is the promise itself. She was 10 years younger than Abraham. So when he first heard this word from the Lord, he was what, 75? So she was about 65 in Genesis 12. And this would be why the Bible labels her as barren in Genesis 11. It's, it's really bringing out this identity because if you didn't know that part of it, you wouldn't understand the journey that she went through. Now, here's the thing. When someone labels you barren, it's because you and others have observed and concluded that it's reality. It's accepted. You have accepted it. Sarah said, I'm barren. Here's the problem. When you accept something as your identity, you form and shape your whole life and your actions around that identity. I need to say that one more time. When you accept something as your identity, you begin to form your actions and your life around that identity. Why? Because we struggle to cope any other way. It's a coping mechanism. Life has to make sense for us to find peace. Well, she ended up doing that, and we'll do that. We'll do that. And so the promise was given. It was received. It was announced. Five times in the Bible, God would promise Abram and Sarai that they would have a child, beginning over in Genesis verse uh, chapter 12. Five times he promised them that. In chapter 13, in chapter 15, in chapter 17, in chapter 18. The, the promise was more than just words because it was about descendants. It was about legacy. It was about pedigree. It was about the future. But she was barren, and she had a barren identity. We're talking about faith for the impossible this morning. Five times a promise. Five, the number of divine grace. Whatever God would do in their lives would be according to his power working in them, not their own strength or their own might. It's not by might nor by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord. The moment you take it in your own hands. Come on. When the promise is announced and it doesn't match the identity that you've embraced, now we have a challenge. What are you going to do? That's what you're faced with. When the promise is announced to you and it doesn't, match, it doesn't match the identity that you've accepted, now what are you going to do? You're faced with a challenge. Are you going to pull the cord and get off the train? Say, that's not me. It doesn't match me. It doesn't match who God made me to be. That's not what I do well. Or are you going to seek the heart of God and say, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. If I don't have it, Lord, give it to me. Faith for the impossible. Faith for the impossible. Because it's faith that pushes us to go through the reshaping process. And that's what God has to do with us, is to reshape us. Because to be honest with you, and you may know more than me, maybe you've studied it a little bit more than me, but I've never seen where God told Sarai that she was barren. And maybe it is. I've, 
listen, I, I'm, I'm here to be corrected. But I never read where God said, spoke a word, Sarai, you are barren. Now, I'm not blaming her. She's just going by what, what it is. What it is, what it is, what it is. Some of y'all don't know that. That's Aretha Franklin, so sorry about that. Forrest knows. He, forgive me, Lord. She's just going by what, what she sees. And it, we all do that. But God never said that. And so because of that, she shaped her whole life around that, the fact that she's barren and she settled for that. Now God has to reshape her. He has to reshape her mind. He has to reshape her perception. But it takes our faith to join with God's word in order for that to be successful. See, God can, 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 can be there to reshape you all he wants. But if you're not willing to be reshaped, often, more often than not, God will let it go. Now, he won't do that all the time. I, you know, because we're talking about God, okay? You don't believe that, just ask Jonah. Now, Jonah didn't want to be reshaped. Oh, you're going to be reshaped. You, you're the exception. <laughs> all right? He's an anomaly. You're an exception. You're going to be reshaped. <laughs> it's going to happen. I'm using you. Let's stop talking about it. And then if you really want to get deep about it, talk to Jesus himself when he walked the earth. Woman, what does that have to do with me? My time is not yet. Puh. Do whatever he says. In other words, Jesus, you better turn this water into wine. These people, okay. <laughs> yes, mother. Right? So there's situations where that's going to happen. But more often than not, you, you can just reject it. I don't believe that. God say, okay, it ain't hurting me, it's hurting you. Because <laughs> I'm still going to get done what I want to get done. Make no mistake about it. God's purpose and plan will get done one way or the other. The question for you is, the question for me is, am I going to be part of the plan? Am I going to be part of the plan? So God gives us a measure of faith. We know that in Romans 12 too. It says God has allotted, God has given. In the King James, it says the measure of faith. And to me, I haven't looked that up and searched that out in the Greek, but to me, if it says the measure of faith, that means everybody has starts out with the same measure. You have the measure of faith. You believe in me. You put your heart in me. You confess that Jesus is Lord. You accept him. You, you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Boom, the measure of faith. You have the same as everybody else. You have the same as Billy Graham when you start out. It's what you do with it. It's what you do with it. So everyone has the measure of faith. And faith is the currency that transacts a new identity. I said faith is the currency that transacts a new identity. So we have a part to play in it. You can't just pray and sit back and wait for God to do something. I know that's what we've been taught. Pray and ask the Lord. Wait on God. Wait. Yes, you need to wait. You need to wait like a waiter. Serve. I won't get ahead of you, God. I'm not going to do what you've not told me to do, but in the meantime, what would you have me to do? I'm waiting on you. I'm serving you. Yes, Lord. I'm in your word, seeking, finding out what you want me to do. I won't take action until you tell me, but I'm, I'm before you. What is it, Lord? You got it yet? Okay, I'm just checking. 
Lord, you just came five minutes. I'm just checking. I'm just checking. <laughs> God don't mind that. Check in with him. Wait on him. That's what it means to wait. On. Wait. See, we get this idea. Wait. I'm just going to wait on the Lord. So I'm just going to watch football, go shopping, go to Burger King. And uh, one day when the Lord gets ready, he'll tell me. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not what it is. <laughs> All right. When a promise shows up, it breaks the inertia that you've settled for. It releases the flow of heaven's power. If we can believe, if we can speak, if we can say to this mountain, who are you, great mountain, that you should not come down? Who are you, great mountain, that you will not? You better listen to the power on these lips. When listen to the power on these lips. Because it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not me talking. It's not me. But God has given me his spirit. When listen to the sound of the power of these lips. And it's saying, who are you great mountain that you should not come down? We've seen it this year. We've seen it mountain come down. Faith for the impossible. Mount, I can't even see the top. Wherever you are up there, come down in the name of Jesus. I'm talking this morning about faith for the impossible. What's impossible in your life? Are you going to believe God? Or are you going to have the? Are you going to have faith for the impossible? But Sarah, Sarah, I went through something. She went through what what we perceive as a promise delayed. And can I just tell you something about this? I wrote this down here: promise delayed. But if I'm being honest with you, God never delays a promise. If I'm being honest with you, I know that doesn't match up with your theology. Because you want to believe it's supposed to happen on Thursday. Right? But God doesn't delay it. God already knows what day the promise is going to happen. You just have a perceived delay. Unless you cause the delay. Now God might say, well, it is delayed, but I didn't delay it. You delayed it. You turned your back. Right? I never turn my back on you. It's always you who turns your back on me. Talk to Moses, Exodus 34. It's always us that turns, not never God, never God. And it's us who runs back, show me your glory, Lord. Turn around, show me your face. I just need to see your face. He says, I'm still here. I didn't take my face away from you. But we, we perceive it as a delay. And the fight for a promise delay is critical. Not only because it's God's promise, but because it's God's promise in you. He cares about his vessels, his sons and his daughters. He has good plans for you. How many times do we have to quote Jeremiah 29, 11? How many times do we have to say it to each other before we believe it? Saying it and believing it are two different things. God has a plan for you. He cares, but it's for good and not for evil. And then tomorrow we complaining about stuff. But just yesterday, you said all this stuff, all, you know, we all go through stuff. Just yesterday, you said it. Everything we go through, Romans 8, 28, is for good. It's for my good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Genesis 16, chapter 1, I mean, chapter 16, verse 1 says, now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. Watch this. And Sarah said to Abram, behold now, 
The Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Lion. I don't know. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. Several things in that just, just that little verse right there. First of all, God has prevented me from having children. Okay, well, I, you know, that's not altogether true. Even if he has a, a specific time for you, he didn't prevent you from having children. He just has a time. Two different things. You've heard the saying, God's delay is not God's denial. Nice little saying. It's true. Your perceived delay of God's promise is not God's denial. So, first of all, she put that on God. And next, she's, we know this story. She's talking about Hagar. She took things into her own hands. But she knew it. She knew it. Watch what she says here in, 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 in Genesis chapter 16. She, she puts it this way. <laughs> she says, it may be that I shall obtain children by her. Maybe. Let's do this. Because it could be that God meant that. It's too much of that going on. It's too much. Let's do this because God might have meant that. Too much of that. God is not that ambiguous. You think he is. I understand. I understand, Elder, in the book of Revelation. I know. You're there are things that we need to seek while I may be found. There's those things. But I'm talking about the things we know we're supposed to do every day. God is not that ambiguous about that. He's not that ambiguous. We just need to seek him, wait on him, hear from God. It may be. Well, it may not be. Then why are you doing it? Because it may be. But it may not be. In delays, we can get impatient. Impatient is the seedbed of control. It's because I don't have control. That's why I'm so impatient. And control is the seedbed of dysfunction in your life. <laughs> and, and dysfunction really is the seedbed of division. Come on. In delays, we have to also understand that God is at work. Now, again, I'm talking about perceived delays from us. But in that delay, we get impatient, and in that delay, we have to understand that God is at work. God is at work. God is at work. God is at work when I don't see it. The timeline is different than what we'd expect, and that's okay. And something beautiful is going to come from this. Let me say that again. God is at work when I don't see it. The timeline is different than what we'd expect, and that's okay, and something beautiful is going to come from this. Promise received, promise delayed, and finally, promise fulfilled. Sarah was both barren and old. <laughs> According to Genesis, every time a promise was made, Sarah was not present except for the, 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 the record of the promise in Genesis 18. Abram would have these moments, these encounters, and because of the dysfunction of control that had swept through the house, she seemed, she seemed to believe that she would never have a child because she laughed when it was told her that. She laughed. The promise was made. She was in her tent. She overheard it. She laughed. And before any of us laugh at her, many of us would have done the same thing. 
I might not have laughed like her, but I would have probably said, you must be crazy. Have you seen me? I'm old. I'm tired. It hurts just standing here. That's what we want to say in our body. My knees. My elbow. It's hurting. My foot. Plantar's fasciitis. Tell me I have a baby. You know what we forget? Side note, real quick. And I'm about to wrap this up. We forget that in the, in the context of this story, God did some great things. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed in the midst of all of this. God, see, God has a bigger plan. We don't see the whole thing. That's why we just, it didn't happen on Thursday. So what, you know, God's like, I got so much stuff going on. You don't even know. You don't know what I got going on in this kitchen. I'm cooking some stuff up in this kitchen. You don't know. You can't see everything. You can smell it, but you can't see everything, right? He's doing a lot of stuff. He preserved Sarai from being taken from King Abimelech. Uh, twice. Thank you, Jeannie. God was doing some other stuff in the midst of all of this, okay? Right? What was God telling all who are watching this? He said, I am the God who opens the womb and closes the womb. And immediately thereafter, God visited Sarah and she conceived. What do we learn from this promise fulfilled? Here it is. Three things. Number one, you have to understand that there is more to the story than what you see. I know it's cliche, and I know you'll say it. We encourage each other with that. I don't want you to think about this in context of telling someone else this. I want you to think about this for a moment in context of you looking in the mirror, saying, there's more to this than I see. For a moment, please, just take that in your heart. There's more to this. There's more to the story than what you see. Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Genesis 21, verse 2. At the set time. God had a time to hold. See, that's what, that's, that's what I mean. I know it could be semantics. I get that. But when you talk about delay, God had a set time. What do you mean delay? I mean, think about you. If you, if you told your child, I'm going to do something on Friday, or you had a time you were going to do that on Friday, and they said, Tuesday, where is it? Well, it's delayed. They showed up on Friday, but I had faith through that delay. Well, I, I had it Friday the whole time. What you mean, delay? Anyway. Second thing is, God's delays are not God's denials. All right, it's very cliche. But I really should have put God's perceived delays. I think I did. God's perceived delays are not. God's perceived in the old days. God's perceived delays are not God's denials. <laughs> it's not God's denial. He just has a he just has a time. You know what the when the apostles went through this, you know what they said? They said to the Lord, increase our faith. See, that's the right response. That's the right response. Not like, God, what are you doing? When are you gonna do this? Why did this not happen? No. Go to the Lord. Lord, increase my faith and open my eyes that I could see like Elijah, Elisha did with his servant, the Gehazi. Open his eyes. Now I see. Now I see. But you know what I want to get to the point where I'm at in my life? I want to get to the point where I don't have to see everything all the time. 
to obey God. Does that make sense? I, I mean, I, I love seeing everything. I do. I want to see everything. But I want to get to the point where I don't have to see everything before I take a step and obey God. Right? I, I, Elisha doesn't have to pray for me to open my eyes. This is a word from the Lord. Good. We're going to do it. I can't see how. It looks like we're about to get killed. But it's a word from the Lord. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. And then lastly, faith in motion pleases God. The Bible says faith pleases God, just to expand that a little bit, because faith, faith is action, right? Faith in motion pleases God. Faith in motion. We know Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to him must believe that he is, that he exists, that he is. And he rewards those who diligently seek him. He rewards those who diligently seek him. We would know that. Genesis 18, Sarah was, was standing in a tent laughing at God's word, right? But she had to put her faith in motion. She took the promise again and said, I don't believe in my ability. I believe in yours. She came to that point. And she grew up in faith. That's what we're talking about. That faith led to her action, and the action required to have a child is not something, <laughs> it's not something we'll, we'll, we'll talk about here today. But she and Abraham had to act, okay? And all I'll say is it's faith that pleased God. It's faith that pleased God. So what might you be going through in your life where you need faith for the impossible that pleases 